in my research for the sermon today, I was looking for light bulb jokes. Remember light bulb jokes? I've got a few for you. How many Calvinists does it take to change a light bulb? None. Lights will go on and off at predestined time. How many procrastinators does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but he has to wait until the light is better. How many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, first, you have to form a committee and possibly a light bulb task force, and then another committee, and after that's taken to session, it will be at least 100 people. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one but the light bulb has to really want to change. It seems a truism that to make a change in our lives, we have to want it. Whether it is to get more sleep, or get more exercise, or to stop arguing, or to be more forgiving, we have to want to make that change. And if we can't lose the weight, or improve our relationship. We've often been told that maybe we just don't want it bad enough. But change is more complicated. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, I don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I do not do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Our ability to change, to become more fully alive and more joyfully whole, is all wrapped up in our fears and our identities, our loyalties, our beliefs, our commitments, not simply our desires. And thanks be to God, it is also all wrapped up in the love of God. For 38 years, our man has been by the pool of Bethesda, just outside the gates of Jerusalem, the architectural remains show two large rectangular pools, not unlike the Roman baths, they're separated by a long portico, covered porches, and the other sides are also covered with these porches. The name Bethesda means house of mercy or house of healing. And it was the Bethesda Presbyterian Church from which the town of Bethesda took its name, and rightly so, for there are the National Institute of Health and Walter Reed Medical Center, the house of mercy, the house of healing. Now at this pool, which was probably originally dedicated 
to the Greek god of healing, Asclepius. People believed that an angel of the Lord would come down from heaven and stir up the water. And when the water was stirred, the first person to make it into the water would be healed of their affliction. Now, it is important to know that there are two different words for sickness in our New Testament. There is a word for disease, which refers to a biomedical condition, like appendicitis or the flu. It is a malady inside the body. But there's also a word for illness, which is a social condition, like being homeless or incarcerated. It comes from outside the body. It is the affliction of being devalued as a human being when somebody is made a nobody. The word for our man is asthenia, literally, without strength. Somehow, 38 years ago, he was deemed worthless. And he lost his strength. And he lay down one day and just decided not to get up. And now he's been that way most of his life. Walking, let alone being strong or standing or being happy and fully alive, are not even a hope, let alone a desire. After 38 years, he's gotten used to it. And in walks Jesus. And now our man by the pool does not even know Jesus. He has no faith in Jesus. In fact, when the religious authorities get on Jesus for healing on the Sabbath, our man turns Jesus in to the authorities for having healed him on the Sabbath. This guy is the worst candidate for being healed. He doesn't say yes when Jesus asks, do you want to be made whole? He comes up with excuses. No one will help me and people are getting in my way. This one who has no hope, who is the least likely one to be receptive to any kind of healing, Jesus comes to that one and demands or frightens or uses such force of authority to speak the truth, stand up, take your mat, and walk. Stop the excuses. You can do that. And he does. One of the essays I read on this passage called Life Lying on the Mat as Living Life to the Minimum. And the writer goes on to ask, how many of us live life just to the minimum? What have we gotten tired of or just used to? Is 
there something that weighs us down? A resentment we haven't resolved. A burden we carry. And it's just become normal. The vitality we are missing is because we just don't think it's possible or that our lives could ever be any different. So what does it take? I've heard it said that change comes when we finally get fed up with the way things are. When we get sick of being in debt or bickering or holding resentments. Only then will we make changes. But I know that even when I get fed up, there are times it just gets too tired. And I want to give up and just get used to it. And this is where Jesus gets fed up. This is our hope. That even when we have been this way most of our lives, when we have wanted to make that change, when we have gotten fed up and given up and gotten used to the way things are, Jesus gets fed up and will never give up, but shows up to say in our lives, stand up, take your mat and walk. That was awesome, was it not? Jesus never gives up, but gets fed up, shows up, and says, stand up. Jesus might look like your neighbor who says, come, let's take a walk. Or come over and have a cup of tea. Jesus may be the physician who confronts you about the responsibility that you need to take care of your body. Maybe it's a child, a grandchild, who speaks those words of Christ. I once visited a lady named Doris, and Doris was into her late 90s, and she had nephew Bill in his 70s, and Billy was the kind of person who had given up on certain aspects of his life, like making sure his clothes were clean, or that the trash got taken out or that his hair got combed. Billy came to dinner every month at Doris's house, and every month Doris, at the ripe old age of 95, would cook a lovely dinner for Billy. And one day, Doris noticed something's different. Billy's clothes were clean. His hair was neat. He even smelled nice. 
Doris was stunned. She called it the resurrection of Billy. Billy has been raised to new life. It took a couple of months before Billy brought his girlfriend to meet Doris. She was the one through whom Christ spoke. Stand up, Billy. Take your mat and walk. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Change is hard and complicated and frightening. But it's God's desire for us that we be fully and wholly and joyfully as alive as we can be. And in all those tired places where we're not even sure what we want, God comes. God comes. And long after we have given up, Jesus asks us again and again and again. Don't you want to stand up? Come on. Take up your mat and walk.